All right. I'm Nick Verity. Welcome to the Operations Mastery Podcast. I'm here with Tranter Gray, one of their managing partners, Rhett. Rhett, it's good to have you on. Why don't you let people know a little bit about Tranter Gray, when it was started and what services you you provide? Sure. So Tranter Gray is based out of Augusta, Georgia. I was doing marketing for some large corporations before I kind of delve into this. My dad has owned a direct mail business for like 30 years. And through that, had customers that were asking them to help place or do marketing in general. And, you know, 15 years ago, so it was a lot of traditional marketing that was happening. And it convinced me to move back here and do this because the internet started to be a thing where people were advertising. And um, at least in Georgia, like this small area, it started becoming something that was a little bit more than um, what he wanted to figure out. And so I moved back here and partnered up. Uh, with him. There's another guy named Tyler Jackson that is also one of our partners for the three of us. And Tyler's creative director, He's he, he shoots all the video and edits it and kind of been the mastermind behind that. I'm really do the logistics piece of it. So client relations, make sure that everything's running smoothly, make sure in that, you know, things are getting done. And the agency is kind of twofold. We have one side of it that's pretty much now a digital marketing agency, which we do play some traditional still. We have local, regional, and national accounts. And then kind of where we specialize uh, is in the creative services. So like video production, producing content that matters. Because it's an expensive endeavor. I think that when people were deciding if they were going to do an agency, they could like go down the route of like creating a website so they could do video. And video is much more expensive because of the equipment, right? But yeah. since we had that direct mail business, it kind of funded the the soiree into like doing video and so we kind of took it off took off from there we're kind of like the first ones in the game Mm. in this area doing the quality of work that we were doing you go to larger cities and find it but when i came back here it was pretty much a traditional agency and it was like find a client place for them make that 15 percent and like build this book and i quickly realized that there's not a chance in the world that i was that was going to be my life for my future (laughs) chasing this 15 percent from like 50 different clients and so that's when I try to dive in a little bit more and say, you know, if we make meaningful things and we don't take on as many clients, but we take on clients that have a larger budget or the desire to have better quality things. Like, I think that there's a niche there that we could, that we could, or a niche that we could scratch for these people or a niche that we could get into. And so kind of what we've done, what we've done thus far. And so we've, you know, all of us now are Emmy award winners. We've all won Emmys. We've traveled extensively internationally we filmed on every continent except for australia and antarctica at this point in time oh and we have a we actually got hired for a job in 2024 to film in australia so actually we'll have to we'll get to cross that off our list but uh been to africa several times filming been um turkey indonesia south america it's been really cool it's been a blessing to be able to do it and experience these things and everybody that works here like we're really good friends so I get to work and hang out with my friends and create things for people that feel meaningful. And so, yeah, that's what we do. And we got a lot of shitty jobs too. They're kind of boring, but, <laughs> but that's the highlight real, I guess. <laughs> hey man, that's the goal. You guys have, have created a business. That's also a lifestyle for, for, for you guys. Yeah. I think all the agencies, they tell you about like the glamorous stuff. They don't tell you about the like, classified ads that you have to design and put in the newspapers right oh yeah. yeah yeah and not every client is easy to work with and right. oh man a million revisions or whatever so mm-hmm. wow so you guys do big budget videos is that like the situation here like bigger clients big time videos for so, digital 
I would say not big time. So big time is like million dollar budgets, right? Like things you sure. see in like national commercials. We're more in that realm of like you have a large project that you're trying to find funding for or you're a large corporation and you're building videos for internal pieces, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So yeah. some videos that we shoot are, you know, in the five and $10,000 range. Mm-hmm. Some things that we shoot are in the, you know, 60 to $70,000 range. It just depends on the scope of work. You know, if you need me to go to Europe and film a car crash, that's a little more expensive than coming into our studio and talking about, you know, how your trinket store is the best one to buy from. So yeah, it's just capacity of like, or, of, of what you, of what you're doing, you know, I mean, yeah. we start off as a small business. So our hearts there too, and develop that. And my father started that with a direct mail business. And so <clears throat> that piece is still alive. So it's kind of like the beginner client is enters in that. It's like the most inexpensive way that you can advertise to the masses mm. through direct mail. And then we have the other end of it where it's like probably the more expensive piece of it, where you're getting like quality video assets in order to improve your brand and build a relationship with a client. Mm-hmm. Rather than like this dangling, like, you know, $5.99 mm. dry cleaning service, right? Like we're more experiential and using those assets for digital and traditional all the same. Yeah. And so how big is the direct mail part of your business? It's not, I mean, obviously it's a grind, right? I mean, yeah. the way that the world has ran at this point in time, profit margins are really good with it. Mm. Um, and <clears throat> my father figured out how to incorporate a TV package with the direct mail thing. So it's oh, and a, like digital, right? So it's not like you're just buying one thing now. It's multi-prong and mm. it's an affordable thing. And so I would say it's probably 35% of the revenue that we do here monthly at Trainer Gray probably comes from direct mail piece, which is really good. I mean, it's quick pay. It's not hard projects. You know, mm. I mean, you're designing a coupon essentially to go into a book and be mailed out to local people in order to use local business. And so it's really been a blessing in the sense of like cash flow because I think that's what a lot of creative agencies struggle with. Yeah. That as soon as you get a job, you're like working yourself out of a job, right? Like mm. stay when that job's done. I mean, obviously we have like the retainer clients and the people that continually make videos, but most of the people that come to us are like, hey, listen, we need this One safety thing. video or we need this instructional thing or we need to mm. build out thing for this year and then we'll talk to you next year sort of thing and so it gets really hard for video agencies to sustain in that capacity because they don't know how to charge they don't understand how to manage money Mm. you know because it's expensive on the jump when you're talking about like locations and casting yeah and you know hair and makeup and act you know actors Mm. and all those things you know it's a lot of upfront cost so how do you manage that? Well, I think that it's, it's a, so we're at a place now where we have enough work to where we don't have to take everything. Mm. And I think that that's a good place. I mean, it's just, you know, being in business for 15 years mm. and have the quality of work that we have, you know, because there, there was times initially where we knew that we were taking on jobs that were making some money that would hopefully pay the bills that were around here that we need to pay for. Right. Yep. Yep. And then we got to the point to where we didn't have to do that anymore, where we could say, Hey, listen, there, this is, if you're a client that's at that level, like we have some guys in our office that work on the weekends or like do like side project stuff, like they can probably help you out. Um, but we're like what we're doing now is a lot of instruction, video production. Um, the the pre-production is pretty robust, you know, when it comes to that. So 
I think it's just knowing your what your worth is. And mm. that's easy to say when you have, you know, constant clients coming in and you're busy. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of just like holding it there and figuring out that you're offering something that they need or that they want. Yeah. Then being smart about your hires and the expectation and what portions you outsource and what portions you keep in house. Mm. So, so like, um, when you guys get a new video project on the medium or, or larger side, like what, what have you seen over time makes a video project go poorly or wrong that you guys could maybe correct it against logistics wise. And so maybe like the initial scripting creative process or, or day of stuff or anything, but, um, well, yeah, what can cause these video projects to like run over budget or you know, not be good and things like that? So I think that um, like what we've, there's been a lot of transition, right? And so like um, there's been this push of like people working from home and work-life mm -hmm. balance and not being in the office, but then owners wanting people in the office, being able to communicate in a specific way, like while you're face-to-face -face mm -hmm. is a lot different than how you would communicate if you were, you know, working remotely, each person working remotely. And so <clears throat> video specifically where that's hard, like the pre-production portion of it is that if I'm working on the client side and getting what they want and then we're collaborating on like a concept and then we have that approved, right? There's so many moving parts. Like there's somebody that's I mean, like our production team is like four or five people. And mm -hmm. so there's some people that are tasked with script, some people that are tasked with the music and the editing and the shooting when they get there. But even before we get there, like the pre-production portion of it is like, the casting and the location scouting. Um, mm -hmm. There's a bunch of moving parts that have to happen for a, something else to happen. And so we've used like automated systems before to try to make that be like, okay, when this happens and this needs to happen mm -hmm. and take like months and months and months to set up these really robust, like management project sort of things. Mm -hmm. So like, they'll kind of stay on task. But what I've learned through that is that, you that everything needs to be scheduled out and on paper and like that accountability piece of it. But at the same time, like if that's all that it is, it'll drag on forever because it's like, Oh, I sent you an email about that. Or it was two days ago, or I'm going to get that tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? So then it seemed like a easy project where you're just like, if I'm building out a, like if I have a script, I'm like, okay, let's propose this to a client. And um, all I need to do is like put together a treatment of like, here's some images that I'm pulling from our Getty account. I'm going to walk them through what we're going to shoot, right? Like that mm. probably takes me about four hours to do something complete with that. Mm. But you'll see yourself scheduling that up. Like, okay, let's meet in a week and a half to talk about it. And it's like, holy cow, man. Like if you take a week and a half, like even if a pro, like just, let's just put it out there. Like you have a project and it's $20,000, right? Yeah. And you have five people working on it. Yeah. It sounds like a $20,000 project is a lot until you have five people working on it for five weeks. Then it's not, you know what I'm saying? Then it doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, for sure. You know, and so um, it's just about the efficiencies on the front end of the pre-production because that's really mm -hmm. where it's good. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like painting. If you take, you know, 90% of the time to set up for the paint, then the 10% that you're painting is going to pay off, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's pre-production. If you, the, the more you think of, the better season people you have, the more... Um, test runs you do, the more pre-production planning that you do, the better and smoother it's going to go the days that you're shooting. Mm. And so it's that, I mean, the, the hard part of production is a pre-production for anybody, you know, wow. 
I didn't realize that. So it's all in pre-production, which like is pre-production encompass like scripting, who's who logistics of the day of uh, everything, like literally everything. Yeah. Everything that you can think of, you know, like yeah. there's an entire team that just does pre-production. And then, then there's guys that like show up with the cameras, film it. They're in, they're in like the meetings of the pre-production meetings. So the notes happening, <clears throat> but yes, I mean, you're looking at permits. You're looking at the ability to fly drones. Mm -hmm. You're looking at, cops traffic patterns actors casting mm. um making sure that you're casting wide enough that so you're inclusive yeah uh, i mean there's a ton of things that you think about like when you're writing the script who you're casting the age demographic um body type i mean all that sort of stuff is important yeah you know what your audience is and then it's a lot it's a lot on the front end yeah um it, it sounds like a business where like experience matters a lot. It's just mm -hmm. one of those businesses. Um, so I, I could totally see that. And then what about like expectations with the client? Um, you know, some, some want to be super involved. Some don't, some come up, come with a clear plan. Others don't like sure. what tips you have for working with these clients on these big projects like this, that uh, you know, are, are, expensive or potentially stop being profitable for you guys if if things go astray so it's like the old uh under promise over deliver i guess like, yeah but I mean, because the thing is is that um they can see the type of work we've done and <clears throat> we can try to sell them on a vision but at the same time they're not gonna know exactly what we're thinking so we'll give them like the fifty thousand feet above like hey listen we've listened to you these are the things that you're expecting and that you want from this project mm here's a map, a roadmap of like what you can expect as far as like a shot list goes and casting and who are going to, you know, the typecast and what's going to be said. And then from this point on, like, let us handle it. Yeah. If you're helping us, you trust us, you've seen our work. Like, well, you know, if you don't like it at the end, then we'll have another conversation and I'll fix whatever needs to be fixed. And so I think that if you put that amount of prep in the, the start of it and set that expectation, then it makes it a little bit easier not to be micromanaged. Like we've had situations before where like the client is like on set and directing and that sort of thing. And it's a nightmare. Yeah. I bet. So, you know, we always joke about the two, like if we're editing something and the clients here, it's cost double, you know, like, all <laughs> this, you know, but at the end of the day, I get it. You know, like we're spending somebody else's money there. Typically right. like when you're spending that much money. It's a significant investment. Mm-hmm. And so I get it, you know, like I understand yeah. it. Yeah, for sure. It's um, a lot of agencies deal with that where it's like, if you don't let the agency do their best work and then you're not happy with the result, well, you didn't, you didn't let us do our thing. And so it's like, it's, it's constant battle. Right. Um, we never really let them not let us do our thing. Right. Right. Well, that's good. You kind of explain that up front and you prove it with past work also. Well, and I think that's the thing too, is that, and we also say like the best work that we've done that we've won for that's been recognized or has gone viral every mm. single time it's been a client. It's like, this is what I want. We'll see you when you're done and just let us run with it. Mm. Wow. Cause you know, you watch some commercials sometimes and you're like, man, I wish I was in the room where they were pitching that because that yeah. is unbelievable. <laughs> for sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and sometimes it's cause it's the most mundane, boring things. And sometimes it's like the craziest stuff, you know? And so Sometimes the most, you know, easiest thing, you know, when you pay that much money for production, you feel like it's going to be this whole, like everything has to be like 
this pyrotechnic show, you know, but it doesn't necessarily have to be right. in your mind. It's like, Oh, it's this much that so we need to have like 10, you know, a montage and 10 different actors and 15 different locations. Mm -hmm. And it's like, eh, you don't necessarily need that either. You know I mean? It just depends on the project. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Awesome. Um, what, another question I have is videos changed a lot over the years. Um, before it was mostly commercials and things like that. And now there's a lot of ways to like track results, especially when clients use their videos online um, or in ads or whatever. Like how, how have you seen that change? Um, especially with like quicker, shorter form, all that kind of stuff. Like what are your thoughts on where things are now versus before? So if it's, if it's a successful business that's already established and they're creating something like for branding in order to keep their benchmark, there it's a lot easier mm. if it's somebody that's like creating this video because they need a transaction to happen it makes it a lot the project a lot more challenging i would say yeah because you can get like paralysis through analysis you spent this money you you know what i'm saying and mm, i'm telling yeah. you from the very start too i'm like hey listen if you're like spending all your money to build the car and you don't have any money to put the gas in it then don't then don't buy the car yeah for I sure them up that up front because i don't want I don't want to see people waste their money in the sense of like, okay, you have this really good asset, but now you have no way to put it out there to the world for them to receive it. And then also like you, like what we're doing with like a lot of these videos is like building a brand relationship. It's not mm -hmm. like guy in front of the camera being like, come down and get dry cleaning today or whatever it is. You know, it's yeah. a feel good spot. Like we do a, like we do a commercials for a local furniture store and he's an established brand. And so we can build a brand and assets around where everybody else is like, come down to super Saturday and buy this, all this, you know what I'm saying? Like mm. he's selling quality at a higher price point, but he's yeah. not going to get return as quick as the person that's shoveling the deals and working for the quantity portion of it. So we're typically trying to work with the people that are established. So I guess it's different in the capacity of, it depends on where the business owner's at in their journey. Yeah. If that answers the question. No, no, it does. We found that just working with the right clients is half the battle. Clients who are established, have social proof, have a presence already, uh, and have people actually see the result, you know, the video you you make them. Um, what have you found? Like, are are there any like common threads between your videos that have won awards or been successful or the clients loved, things like that? Like, uh, are there any common threads but be between them? Yeah, I think that most of those are uh videos that um start one way and maybe take you on a different direction mm -hmm. or like videos that aren't specifically about um, the product, you know? Yeah. Um, and I guess I don't, and I, it's hard to, to, to kind of describe that without an example. So, I mean, I'm sure if they're listening to the podcast, that one's not going to make much sense, but I think that like, I guess to answer that question as best I can is that if we can tell, if, if we can tell a story in a different way than we, how you would typically tell a story. Yeah. It makes it more entertaining to watch. For sure. For sure. Like, um, we did a commercial for a um, large a company that did like um, siding and that sort of thing. We did a bunch of special effects where we had actors like falling off these roofs. And they were like, mm -hmm. the whole the, the commercial started with like this whole group of people, like in a support group. And it was called like, Don't Do it Yourself. And it was just like a bunch of these old guys, like all in body casts and neck braces and all this sort of stuff. And they were kind of like, telling their story of like how their wife said like don't do it and they did it anyway sort of thing that's pretty funny reenacted like one of these scenarios and had somebody like fall off a roof and like break their leg or whatever and so the whole thing was essentially like 
don't install your own, like don't clean your own gutters, like get mm. gutters this place and get gutter guards for them. Yeah. But it wasn't, a, but the, but the opposite end of that, it was like that you'll see all the time is that like, it'll show like a demonstration um, visually graphics of like, this is how gutters work. This is what gutter guards do. This is how they keep birds and trash out of your gut. You know what I'm saying? And so that shows mm. visual, very uninteresting, but informative. Right. Right. So it's just a different take on trying to do that same thing, you know? hundred percent. That makes perfect sense to me. It's like versus humor versus yeah. like, you know, it's educational, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And both of them are good. You know what I mean? You both are both. good. Yeah. Awesome. Do you have, um, yeah, before we wrap up here, I think this has been pretty helpful and, and interesting. Do you have anything else, you know, tips for other marketing agencies out there getting their start or, or anyone looking to produce a video, anything? Yeah. I think that the, um, people that are getting their start, I think the people that are that are they're getting their start and coming into this is like something new. I would say um identify like what you're going to offer and be very specific. Like you can't be everything to everyone. Yeah. I and agree. just as everybody else's business scales, like so is yours going to have to. And so try to partner up with the people that um can help go that trajectory or go that understand your capabilities and and know how to knock it out of the park with what you're what you're selling and don't just promise everything, you know, and it's always like the power of the and and the tyranny of the or I think a lot of people are like, I do this, but I can't do this instead of saying like, I can do this and I can partner up with somebody that can do that well also. Right. Mm. So um, I guess the last thing I would say is that um, like treating people correctly, whether it's employees or clients is probably the most important thing. I was actually, um, so I, I'm, I golf a lot and we're, Augusta is known for the masters and I was at a hospitality house and I was talking to this guy and it was like, I don't even know his name, but he was like Warren Buffett's like right-hand man. that like Charlie ran Munger? All dealerships. Yeah. Okay. And I was just talking to him. I was like, well, what's a piece of advice that he gave you that was like the best advice? And he was like, uh, he's like, have you ever washed a rental car before you've returned it? I'm like, no. He's like, is, he's like, it's because it's not yours. And he was like, so the expectation for your employees to treat your business how you would treat it is a ridiculous concept. Mm. Like, but if you treat them how they want to be treated, then they'll run through walls for you. They'll want to be there as long as it makes sense for them. But to expect for them to not have, you know, a, a piece of the ownership act as an owner would is a ridiculous concept. But to think that if you treat them like humans and expect for them to do the things that, you know, are are going to be successful for them then they'll do anything for you for as long as you're as long as you're willing to be that person for them. And so that kind of made it, that was kind of a big deal to me when he told me that or whatever, I thought that was a good analogy. And I see a lot of business owners that hire a bunch of people and they're like, they just don't care. They won't work this many hours or I'll do this and they won't do that. And it's like, well, no shit, you know, like you got to figure out like why they want to do that. What motivates them in order to come alongside you and work that deal out. So I would say that to new business owners also is that nobody washes a rental car before they return it. Don't expect for somebody to treat your business like they own it. Um, and there's a way to have people work for you that will run through walls for you as long as you treat them the way that they should be treated. Could not agree more. That's like great, fantastic advice. And it's like priorities change over time when you're first starting out and don't have many clients, like you got to go get them. So you got to be clear in what you offer, niche down, specialize in something in the beginning before you have a lot of brand. And then as you start to formulate a team and scale, like that stuff becomes increasingly important, like keeping and retaining great people by treating them right, um, et cetera. So that, that's, that's sound advice for sure.
Well, I think everybody wants to be a CEO also, like on their business cards, like owner, operator, CEO, <laughs> yeah. CEO it's like this whole C-suite on there. But I think I was listening to like a podcast or something with like the owner of Tom's. And he was like, uh, when he would go meet with people, it would, like on his business card, it would say like junior sales associate. Oh, wow. He would meet with them and be like, oh, well, I got to talk to this guy or I got to talk to that guy. Oh, I'll ask this person. You know what I'm saying? And so like the conversation was just him. But he was like <clears throat> talking about like how big the company was or like who's going to make these decisions I'm talking about, but it was like his mom and his dad, you know, that he was <laughs> milling around with or whatever. So there's a general that we did a video for or whatever, and she was winning an award and we were doing a recap video for her. And um, she initiated this gigantic project in Texas that allows for um, veterans that need prosthetics to be able to get like five different things they need all in one place. And they would have to travel all around the U S in order to get certain things and they were missing limbs was really hard. So she like incorporated good, but she said in that video, she was like a lot of things can get done if it doesn't matter who gets the credit. And so mm-hmm. I think that that's like a really important thing to think about. Also when you're starting a new business that the business owner cares about your concern for their business, not how great you did in order to get there. You know what I'm saying? And so yeah. in life, I think that it's a lot of figuring out like awards are fun. If those awards are celebrating your team, you know, and so, yeah, yeah. yeah. could not, could not agree more with that as well. And a lot of employees just don't feel appreciated and it's like yeah. really simple. Like some of this stuff is not complex at all. It's just like treat people right. If they can't make it into work out one day. Like, you know, it's okay. <laughs> right. Well, I think it's like holding your tongue too. Right. Yeah. It's just like, like, that's what I have to talk to him before. I'm like, what I've said like a bunch of times is like if an employee comes to me and says, Hey, I won't be there for this reason, regardless of feel like it's mundane or it's not important to me. You know what I'm saying? If they're like, Hey, you know, like my dog's sick or whatever. If I'm not a dog person and inherently I'm gonna be like, Oh my God, you're going to miss work because of that. Yeah. But that's really important to them. Right. So right. if you have an opportunity to say like, I'm so sorry, this is happening. Take the time that you need. If we need anything, I'll be in contact with you. Just take care of you and your family. But Regardless of that's how I would react to the situation, like that's how they're reacting to that situation. So I have the opportunity to be a jerk and be like, oh my God, that's ridiculous. We need you here at least for half a day. Or I can be like, hey, you do you and be and be in that moment and be awesome, man. I'll see you as soon as you feel comfortable coming yeah. back. You know what I'm saying? Even if it puts me in a bind, I have that opportunity right then to make them be so appreciative of a situation because I'm not I'm not adding to their stress. Right. Yeah. 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 Even though internally it may not feel that way. Yeah. I try to take every one of those opportunities and make it to where it's like, try to be relatable, you know? Yeah, for sure. And if the opposite, hap- the opposite result happens, basically they're willing to work harder for you. You know, yeah, exactly. they're back. They won't, it's as yeah. simple. They it's won't leave you hanging. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're the hammer and they're the nail, then it's like, they just can't wait to get out of there. They're not going to pick up their phone after five or, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, you know, and there's sometimes you need them to. But that's not going to happen unless you pay dividends before then, you know? Totally agree. Awesome, awesome call. We'll get this recording over to you, and this has been really, really valuable. Cool, man. Well, hey, I appreciate the time, and uh, can't wait to hit, um, you know, a million subscribers. We'll do it again. (laughs) Yeah, one day, one day. (laughs) Thanks, Rhett. All right, Nick. Have a good one, buddy.